0: Media presents High Tech Sunday. On today's episode of High Tech Sunday, our hosts, Rayondan Kennedy and Lango Dean, sit down with section chief of Joint Intelligence Operations for the United States Air Force and recipient of the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference Pioneer Award, Master Sergeant Bonnie Rushing, for a conversation on changing the narrative, women in the military. Up first is Career Communication Group's Managing Editor, Rayondin Kennedy. Next is Career Communication Group's Senior Technology Editor, Lango Dean. Finally, our esteemed guest, Master Sergeant Bonnie Rushing. Master Sergeant Rushing executes leadership objectives and serves as a communication conduit between squadron leaders and airmen. Master Sergeant Rushing was newly selected as the first ever full-time enlisted faculty at the Air Force Academy, teaching in the Military and Strategic Studies Department. Along with her work responsibilities, Master Sergeant Rushing and her airmen have dedicated over 200 hours to the San Antonio food drive and local community cleanup efforts, just to name a few. And without further delay, High Tech Sunday. Featuring Rayonda Kennedy and Lango Dean.
1: Good day, good day to everyone. My name is Rayonda Kennedy, and this is another amazing episode of High Tech Sunday. Today we have the pleasure of talking with Master Sergeant Bonnie Rushing. Bonnie, how are you doing today?
2: I'm awesome. How are you?
1: I can't complain. I think uh, I'm looking forward to not I think I'm very much looking forward to our conversation today. The topic being changing the narrative and really talking about the uh, women in the military and the roles and and kind of the the culture that exists there. So, I'm looking forward to engaging in that conversation with you today. And so, before we dig into that, before we get to to the to the meat of the topic, I really wanted to take a chance and and let the audience know who uh, Bonnie Russian is. And so, uh, who is Bonnie Russian?
2: That's a great question. I'm a lot of things. Um, Like you said, I am Master Sergeant in the United States Air Force. I'm a mom, I have two kids, two and four, very little. I love them. I'm a wife. I grew up in a single parent household, my mom. She's the one who I learned all of my work ethic from. She taught me values. She taught me doing the right thing when no one's looking. And we really were raised in a household full of love, though. We were raised in a household where I didn't know at the time growing up, we were riding the poverty line. Um, So I was a civilian, of course, started out. I went to college. I was working two jobs trying to pay for it, so I was struggling. I was taking night classes, um, struggling with the finances. Um, and that's kind of what led me to the military, and I'll get more into that later. But I had such a strong connection to service. My mother, she worked for the police department, and she worked as a correctional officer. And so I've only ever known strong women in my life. I didn't know that that was different or weird. but. I love it. I love, I love playing that role now, continuing that legacy that my mother taught me. And doing it in service to our military, I get to do something bigger than myself. I get to serve my country, protect my country and my family through national security endeavors. And I, I love what I do. I truly believe that God made this path for me. I feel everything has happened for a reason and continues to happen for a reason for me. Even though I do, I do prepare, I train, I work very hard. I work hard to make these things happen, but always the right door seemed to open for me. And that's why I truly feel that I I am on this path God has created for me. And he's always put the right mentors and opportunities right there for me at the right time.
1: That's That's amazing, Bonnie. I always think it's amazing kind of how as much as, as our parents may be struggling and, you know, when they're able to kind of mask that and, and you don't even know it until you get older, uh, that's an amazing job. And it sounds like you had an amazing role model in your life to kind of uh, focus and, and, and kind of get your drive. When we're talking about your professional background, talk to me a little bit about the path you chose and, and, and uh, why you chose that, that particular uh, uh, path.
2: So at first, when I was in college, I was going to become an officer in the Air Force. I always knew that I was drawn to service. Of course, I couldn't afford college at the time. So I ended up having to drop out due to financial reasons. And then I enlisted. Well, I decided to come in as a linguist. And I decided this because I took as many languages as I could growing up, all of the ones that were offered at high school all at the same time because it rose my GPA. And it took me a few years to realize that I should probably do that for a living, and so I did. I became a, an Air Force linguist. So, how many languages do you speak, Bonnie? So, right now, I'm qualified in Spanish, Brazilian Portuguese, and Tagalog, but I've dabbled in about a dozen just for fun.
1: That's awesome, Bonnie. Can I? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tempt you a little bit. Can you give us a couple of uh, a, a hello, a greeting in in a couple of them? Just, just cause. <laughs>
2: Sure. Magendangu lahat. that's Tagalog. Buenos dias, of course. Spanish. Bon dia, Brazilian Portuguese. Guten Morgen, German. There's there's so many more. And I just love it. They say that when you learn another language, it's almost like you gain another soul, another culture. You understand the wider world around you. And that's the part that I truly love.
1: That's so cool. One of my regrets is that like, I didn't continue on my, my uh, Spanish <laughs> after high school, because I just think it's so cool. And so maybe that's something I, I have to kind of go back and get like Rosetta Stone or 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 something along those lines. What would you say is the best, if, if I wanted to pick up a language now, what, what was the best way to kind of go about that?
2: The best way to do it is immersion, hands down.
1: You just gotta go in. Really
2: go there, yes. Go into that country, into their schools, you can't eat unless you can order the food that's how you learn the best survival I, mode
1: i tell you I'll, I'll figure it out very fast if that's if that's the case yes. <laughs> bonnie what would you say your passion is like what gets you up and you know when you wake up in the morning what what motivates you to, to kind of uh, uh carry on that day
2: i'm glad you asked me that i really feel like i have the perfect job that will always keep me motivated by national security, and that we can wake up here in the United States, very, very safe. We don't have to worry, necessarily too much about somebody's dropping bombs on us or breaking down our door and shooting us in our beds. And that's because we have the right people in the right positions looking out for us. And yeah, you know, the US we do have our problems. And we're working on those just like every other country but man keeping our country safe my family safe my friends safe that's why i grind
1: yeah that's awesome so if you you you're very protective you have a you have a protective nature it seems like how does your spirituality kind of play into like your your daily motivation and your drive to protect and your drive to kind of give back? How does your spirituality play? Like I know you mentioned, you know, the right doors always seem to, to, to open, uh, uh, but let's tell us a little bit more about that.
2: So I always feel like I want to protect those who especially cannot protect themselves. And I've always felt drawn to that and rewarded for that when I do that. I just really feel like if I can be their sword and shield for those who cannot help themselves, that I'm doing the biggest service to my country and my people and to the world, I hope. And that's really what fuels me.
1: Definitely. Well, Bonnie, I think that's one of the coolest things because I really feel like we really got to know a little bit more about Bonnie Russian. And so now we're going to take off that hat and we're gonna put on uh, Master Sergeant Rushing now <laughs> and really and really dig in. <laughs> and so first off, I, I can't remember if I said this at the top of the show or not, but Bonnie, you are our 2021 Women of Color Pioneer Award recipient. And so my 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 first question of of, of this part of the conversation is is tell us about that moment when you heard that you were getting this award and kind of what that word award means to you.
2: I was surprised. The reason being, I knew that my supervisor was working on a package like this last year, but he was tagged to deploy. And so he was getting ready for this deployment. He was already gone and I did not even know that it would have been completed and turned in. So I was shocked to see that not only uh, the nomination and the selection came through, but man, so. This the email came in earlier this summer and I, I screamed literally.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so I wanna I wanna really dig into the topic. You're talking about um, changing the narrative and, and, and the role of kind of a woman in the military. And so when you, when you talk about the military the military historically doesn't really have the best track record when it comes to i guess cultural diversity uh, especially women or minorities in in the military and so my first question is is what 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 drew you to the military as as a career path you know why did you join uh the air force
2: of course with my mom as my role model i only knew strong women and going in i didn't realize that the cultural shift hadn't occurred that was very accepting of a diverse Air Force or military in general. Of course, also motivated to keep the U.S. safe, protect my family, and just continue that legacy of hardworking women.
1: What about now? What's your current role in the military?
2: I entered as a linguist, as you, as you heard, um, mm-hmm. a total nerd. I actually came in as a linguist flying on special operations aircraft. So I was an aviator first. I went through all of that language training. I went through the survival school. I went through flight training, came a flight instructor myself, flew deployments on C-130 aircraft to various countries. And now I was just handpicked to be the most junior ranking academy instructor, any service academy. So Naval Academy, West Point here at the U.S. Air Force. Academy I'm the most junior ranking person ever selected and I am just loving it.
1: bonnie I'm, I'm always being a millennial I'm always the advocate for for millennials and so that's a wonderful achievement. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> and so before before I, I move on I'm gonna I'm gonna detour just a little bit because I want to know kind of what the role of a linguist is and so what what does your day-to day look like?
2: Day to day doesn't exist it can change all the time. I have done so many different things in the linguist role. I have done everything from translate air traffic control instructions for pilots, help them order food, again, very important, translate things that our adversaries are saying so that we can you know, react as a country, keep our people safe. I'm very protective in that way so so that works for me as well. And just helping train other militaries, we have partners all over the world. And this is very important. That's, that's one of our huge strengths in America is our allies. So we can help our allies train, they need our aircraft, they need our expertise, they need that cash money. So we can help them in so many different ways. And as a linguist, you break down that culture barrier, you break down that language barrier, and you really help them appreciate and feel appreciated in that partnership.
1: I want to talk about your 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 role as a teacher now, and talk about you know what what are some of the classes that you're teaching, uh, who are you teaching? Um, tell us a little bit about that that role.
2: So I'm so excited to be chosen as the deputy course director for one of the core courses. So this is required for all of our cadets that come through the Air Force Academy. It's called Air Power and Joint Operations Strategy. What I do is I teach in the Military and Strategic Studies Department. And we teach everything from how is our government set up to actual war gaming in a very lifelike scenario in our new $10 million laboratory. So these are very realistic scenarios. We are preparing future leaders for these real world ops where they can make decisions that will have a cause and effect because the bad guy gets to say too. So all of this technology, it's not just a toy. This is a true educational environment. We call it the, uh, the Multi-Domain Lab because it incorporates all of the different domains. You have your land, you have your air, you have your cyber, you have your space, you have your maritime. You have all of these different things working together as they do now as our environment evolves.
1: Bonnie, I'm really happy that you brought that up because when, when you say war games, my, me being the nerd and, and the geek that I am, like I, you see it and you hear about it in movies. What exactly is war games?
2: So what it used to be, and it is not here anymore because we just got the new lab, you know, roll the dice, that's your chance, move your force here, take this action, roll the dice again, see what your adversary is doing. But that's not real life. So what our labs do is they really incorporate all of the technology. So we have all of these aircraft flying around. We have all the satellites, you know, in the simulation. And so, and really, really smart people behind the scenes acting as the red team, the bad guys Mm -hmm. can move your assets and do what you want to do as far as the good guys, that's us, Mm -hmm. do. And then, okay, well, what does the bad guy do? Because they have goals, they have turns. And so it's real time, huge visual. We have these huge TV screens and we have all these computers, we have flight simulators, we have um, remotely piloted, Aircraft simulators, all of these things hooked up, as in real world, we have a lot of moving pieces, and so you'll see in real time what happens when you, as the cadet and future leader, make a decision.
1: Bonnie, you have to excuse the nerd in me, but that sounds like a huge game of D and D. Look, okay,
2: it's it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, but without the dragons.
1: <laughs> without the real life D and D. Yes, that's that's awesome. So. In our previous conversation, uh, you mentioned there was a new class or a new uh, a course called the Human Weapons System, and it's not quite what it sounds like, but can you talk to us a little bit about that?
2: Yes, so within that Air Power and Joint Ops Strategy class, there is a lesson that we've just built into it. So being that this is a required class, this is now a required lesson. It's called the Human Weapons System, and what I mean by that is it's very people-focused. I've had squadron commanders point to our heads and say, this is the weapon, okay? We are creative beings, we are human, we are complex, and it's very important to understand. Our future leaders need to understand and focus on that human aspect. Everything from how to take care of yourself and others, why that's important, to why diversity is important. The military is not made up of robots. So we have to really dig into that human piece, understand it, expand it, and take advantage of it.
1: And I think this that's a perfect segue into, into our question, uh, my next question, which is from your experience, especially talking about human, having this focus on human, why does diversity matter uh, in, in the Air Force or the military in general? Uh, uh, what value do we gain as a nation by having you know, all parties present, if you will?
2: Yes diversity matters representation counts be it gender sexual orientation different backgrounds religions and so on because from all of these different backgrounds come different ideas you're bringing something different to the table we're not in this tunnel vision mode where we're all thinking the same because that's only going to that's only going to come up with one kind of idea we need to expand we need to innovate our current chief of staff of the air force general CQ Brown says, accelerate, change or lose. It's as simple as that. We have a lot of strategic competitors and we need to make sure we use our strengths. We are a diverse country, let's let's use that. We need to harness that power. We need to have these creative options, go in there, make decisions based on all of the different backgrounds that we have available.
1: Accelerate change or lose, or uh, get with it or get gone.
2: <laughs> hey, that's the same thing, right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs> get with get it with or it. get gone. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> Bonnie. Uh, so, my next question would be: What what would an all inclusive military look like?
2: So, military should represent the people it serves. And America, we that we're that melting pot, right? We're so diverse. And if we want to protect and serve everybody that is here in our country, our military ranks need to look like that. So we need diversity in all ranks. That means leadership positions need to be diverse. Promotions, they need to be fair across the board. So we need everybody in all of these different groups getting promoted. We need to respect one another. We need to make sure that we're integrated into all the different career paths and operations we need a healthy climate. We're always talking about climate, right? We just need—we need to make sure no one's being harassed or discriminated against, and we need all to feel welcome and equal at recruiting stations because that's where it all starts.
1: Bonnie, I'm going to change gears a little—a little bit slightly, and I want to talk about uh, you personally uh, in the military. What has been some of the greatest challenges that you've had to overcome as a, as a woman in the military and uh, how did you overcome them?
2: So I have, a, I have a really good story to kick this part off. So flying in Special Operations C-130s for years, I, I flew on four different models. Three of them did not have functioning toilets, just a urinal, urinal only situation. And being a flight instructor, of course, at that point, hundreds of hours of flying, I must have figured it out. How do I do that? And so they would have all the female flyers come to me because the men still couldn't figure it out. So we really had to think outside of the box for a lot of these different challenges. Of course, the logistical layers. People think, oh, if I have sergeant rushing on my team, that means we're going to have to make sure we have, you know, female lodging that adds extra cost, extra layers. There's always that perceived weakness of being a female, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So body armor, body armor and uniforms, mostly made for men. Weapons, too. They were made for men, how they were shaped, how long their arms are. Another hurdle is just the narrative of women in the military. So we need to work on educating on the need for women in uniform. It's not just a nice to have. They advance strategies for cooperation. So uh, dissuasion, assuasion persuasion less violence so conflict is less likely to happen when you have women in the ranks statistics do show that and it saves a lot of time and lives we call it blood and treasure right we're going to save all of these lives we're going to save all of this money by helping create a more peaceful world and it's not just okay these are cool facts sergeant rushing i want numbers okay i have some i have some quantifiable numbers on this stuff of why women are needed for national security so Two to five percent is the number of more eligible women in every state when we go to recruit people for the Department of Defense. The over-eligible pool of recruits is dropping 7 to 9% annually. So that's across the board. Fewer and fewer people are actually eligible for military service. By 2045, less than 5% of the male population will actually be eligible for military service. That's very few. Women are increasing in high school graduation and physical fitness while men are decreasing. So this has become a real need at this point. It's not just a nice to have, okay, diversity is cool. We have to have this if we're going to survive, if we're going to have a strong military. Additionally, the Women, Peace, and Security Act, which we've been doing a lot of research on, it shows that underrepresented demographics in negotiations and peace talks Those underrepresented women and those other underrepresented demographics are suffering in terms of negotiations and peace talks. We need more women in mediation. We need more women in the military to make sure that we're representing rights for everybody who might benefit from conflict, from peace talks, from everything, security for women especially. And women are greatly involved and affected by conflict, more so than men most times. So we need the new approach to military and peacekeeping operations. We need more women.
1: So you just laid out all the needs. You know, we 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 need women. We need more diversity. We need more women in the military. How do we go about changing that narrative? You know, if you're talking to uh, a potential high schooler uh, recruit, you know, um, how do you how do you present, you know, the opportunities? that the military can offer? How do you, or uh, uh, even uh, changing the culture within the military, how, what are the steps that you think that we can take that can kind of help us in, uh, in that recruiting area?
2: So some steps that we can take on how to change the narrative, the political debate may be over, but the cultural one we're still working on, as I discussed earlier, we need to champion work-life balance. Here in the U.S., we're so busy with, oh, work hard, nonstop, work, 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 but we have to really balance it. We have to get it right. The Air Force, out of all of the branches, the Air Force is starting to get it right. Other branches are kind of, you know, following our lead in that. So that prevents burnout. We need more equal opportunity. We need to boost the understanding of families. We need that balance. So both parents take leave if there's a new child in the picture. More child care options. Home stability and basing options. This gives people more stability at home. Where they can live, can they live there longer? Can they have more stability with schools? Better quality of life. If you have a better quality of life, you retain your talent. You get to keep them. And you boost that diversity because more diverse people will stay in. Because studies show that women will usually leave if you don't have a good quality of life just because of family planning or other options. And we just really need to support each other. We need to boost uh, diversity programs, equal opportunity. We also have a sexual assault prevention and response program that we boost. So there's all of these different steps that that we can
1: take. Before actually no, I wanna I wanna go you talked about work life balance. How do you keep your work life balance? Like what's your tips for maintaining master sergeant rushing and mom or wife? So
2: I, I had a hard time with this in the beginning of my career because I am a little bit of a workaholic. I think it's important to have a hobby that is the opposite of what you do. So that you have that ability to take that switch and turn it off and focus on something else, recharge your batteries. Now at home, when I'm mom, I'm a huge softy. So I'm not gonna be master sergeant rushing all day. That would be exhausting and my kids would be very confused. I'm I'm a pushover. My two kids, they got me. Um, I I can really relax at home. I feel loved. I feel accepted. I let my guard down and that's okay. And that's good. That's healthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bonnie, I got one more question before I, I tag in my co-host, Lingo Dean, uh, to talk to you a little bit about, uh, to talk to our youth a little bit. But right now, I, I want you to, to close your eyes and I want you to imagine that you have a magic wand and tell me what the perfect military the perfect inclusion what what does that look like to you
2: the perfect inclusion would look like everyone feels comfortable reporting any kind of harassment discrimination more options for weapons uniform facilities for diverse population everyone has that freedom to speak up and, and contribute to all conversations with ease. And of course, more options for childcare and family stability.
1: Sounds like a like a great vision. I hope we're closer to that uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Bonnie, I'm gonna step back for a second. I'm gonna tag in Lingo, uh, and I'll be back with you in just a few. Lingo, how are we doing?
3: We're doing okay, Ray. Uh, great conversation with Bonnie and uh, looking forward to our section and, and then me some more to young people and how they can serve the country and in, in various ways
1: awesome all right well let's keep this uh keep this going
3: you're listening to
0: high tech sunday featuring rayon and kennedy lango dean and our special guest Section Chief of Joint Intelligence Operations for the United States Air Force and recipient of the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference Pioneer Award, Master Sergeant Bonnie Rushing. Registration for the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference is now open. Stay tuned for a message from our sponsor. Running from October 7th through the 9th, 2021, don't miss out on the upcoming Women of Color STEM Conference. Since 1995, the Women of Color STEM Conference has been the premier forum of choice for recognizing the significant contributions by women in STEM fields. General registration opens on April 30th, 2021. Don't miss out on the opportunity to meet and learn from executives who are committed to the advancement of women in the workplace. Again, general registration opens on April 30th, 2021. We hope to see you there. Please visit www.womenofcolor.net for more information. Again, Registration for the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference is now open. So visit www.womenofcolor.net for more information. Now, back to the show.
3: Nice talking to you, Bonnie. As I listened to your conversation with Gray, I heard you mention working two jobs. And you also talked about being in college and having this desire to become an officer. Um, And then I think at some point you decided to enlist and you chose the Air Force. I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you already started taking those foreign languages in high school. Um, I know you mentioned Spanish. I know you mentioned uh, Brazilian Portuguese. I think there was a bit of German in there. And then there was a fourth. I wasn't sure whether it was Trigoria as it as it's spoken in Rome or it was Trigarian as in it, as it's spoken in Ethiopia in Tigray. So I wasn't quite sure. So if you could clarify for us, but I'd also at that point sort of like help us understand how the Air Force helped you complete your education and um, tell us about that experience and how that helped you. On your career path sure so the other language is tagalog so it's filipino
2: and that's actually where my air force education started straight out of basic training in air crew fundamentals i went to the defense language institute and they taught me tagalog i did not know what it was and then a year later i'm fluent <laughs> and i also got an associate's degree in tagalog from that school So there are so many opportunities for education within the military. They started there by giving me that Tagalog Associates. Then there's something called the Community College of the Air Force, where I got another associate's degree. You actually start accumulating college credits in the Air Force from the day you start basic training. And then along with those, they have something called tuition assistance, the GI Bill, the other military universities. And of course, here at the Air Force Academy. So with my tuition assistance, I completed my Bachelor's of Science in Technical Management from Embry-Riddle online. And then I went to an awesome university called the National Intelligence University. It's, It's in the DC area. And that was on the Air Force's dime as well. So I came in with one associate's degree, and now I have three associates, a bachelor's and a master's. And there might even be a pathway towards PhD. Oh, and I passed my GI Bill on to my son. So now his college is also paid for. So there's all of these different pathways and I wouldn't be where I am today without these college degrees.
3: Okay, so once you enter basic training, I just wanna clarify this. Once you enter basic training, you are now eligible to go into the Community College of the Air Force. And from that point, you're able to earn associate degrees, and go on to your bachelor's or a master's and PhD or whatever it is you wanna do, and it's all paid for by the Air Force. Is that right? Yes. So as long as you have your tuition
2: assistance, all your plans approved, they will pay for it. They, they pay a certain amount of money for your college credits every semester. You just go to the education office and they can give you all the details. But ever since I've joined, I've gotten all
3: of those degrees and I have not paid a dime for them. I think that's just great advice for young people who want to go to school, can't afford an education and maybe thinking about it, whether they want to serve in uniform or whether they want to serve in the federal government. Uh, And they're a little bit. I'm not sure whether this is for me. What advice would you give them right now? I think you said you are the most junior ranking person. Ever selected to serve in an academy, doesn't matter which one, whether it's the Air Force, the Army, Coast Guard, doesn't matter, you're the most junior ranking person to ever serve. So you're part of that, you're close enough to this young, young generation that's kind of like you got so many opportunities, and sometimes they don't know where to go. But you gotta settle on something. So what advice would you give young people who want to go to school, can't afford the education, hesitant about joining the military, um, but they still want to serve America. What would you say to them? So there are a lot of options.
2: The military isn't for everyone, but there are a lot of options if you want to go a different route. But if you're shying away from the military, just because maybe you're scared, I would challenge you not to shy away from a challenge. Those, those are what makes us stronger. Before I went to basic training, I could not run a mile. Believe me, they'll, They'll help you run. They'll motivate you to run. They'll get you where you need to be. There's so many awesome opportunities. Of course, education, like we just discussed, travel, unique jobs with job
3: security. I really love it. Jobs with job security. Um, You you mentioned your mom. I I know how much your mother played a, a big role in your life. She was a single parent. I mean, anyone who's been a parent, a single parent, knows what that means and the the responsibility that comes with that, wearing so many hats and juggling so many things to make sure that you keep your family together and on track. But, okay, it starts in the home, and when you're lucky, you have that mentoring right there, that original mentor, as I like to call it, because parents always are original mentors. But then you went on to have other mentors in your life. So talk to us about some of the mentors in your life and how they have helped you in your career. Most recently, the two mentors
2: that really come to mind are from my last unit, Chief Rivers and Master Sergeant Cushman. They were really two good support pillars for me, and they allowed me to vent, they motivated me, and they were a great sounding board for my ideas. I could call them anytime, and they were always willing to listen.
3: Support pillars. I think that it's so critical because for me, it's just, I mean, imagine a building standing with pillars, right? <laughs> Without those pillars, that building's not gonna stand. It's so it's just that constant support that you have. But tell us a little bit more about how Chief Rivers and the other person that you mentioned, how, how else have they helped you in your career? I mean, the things that maybe they've told you that you would like to pass on to to, other, to young people, what, what sort of things do you talk about as a mentor and a mentee?
2: So the best advice I have two. I'll, number one is take care of yourself and your family, because no matter what, we all take this uniform off one day. So I'll retire from the air force and, you know, I'll have a retirement party. It's all good, but it's going to be in the rear view mirror where myself, My kids, you know, my family unit, we're always gonna be there. So make sure that you take time to take care of yourself and your family. It's very, very important, no matter how busy you are. And two, and I always love this advice: haters gonna hate no matter what. People will dislike you just for being happy or successful. There's no shortage of you know, haters out there, so just don't let them get to you. And some days. I just need to
3: hear that. Don't we all? I know the Air Force has lots of youth programs because um, the Air Force is a regular presence, familiar presence at conferences hosted by Career Communications Group. Case in point, the Women of Color STEM Conference, where you are going to receive your award as Pioneer of the Year. Can you tell us a little bit, tell young people a little bit about the programs? that the Air Force has. These are programs that uh, take you into jobs as an enlisted person or maybe the officer track. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about those and, and the different ways that you can get on those tracks? Sure. So
2: there are two different tracks that you could enter as early as 17 years old, usually 18. And the enlisted track, which is the path I ended up, Selecting, will send you straight away from from high school into you know basic training and text training. So you learn a trade, you learn a very useful skill most most times, and you earn that paycheck. You have housing, you have food immediately, you have health insurance. It's it's great. If you want to go the officer route, officers of course need a bachelor's or higher. And so there's a lot of ways to do that without going for your college on your own. You could come here, I could be your teacher. So you could come to the Air Force Academy and you could be paid to get your four-year degree and a guaranteed commission and job afterwards. A lot of pilots come out of here if that's something that interests you. If you want to look into things that are no commitment, a lot of high schools have junior ROTC programs. That's a Reserve Officer Training Corps where you can start learning about the military lifestyle at your high school with no commitment. It's no threat. It's just an introduction program.
3: That's great. So if you're in high school right now, you say best to join the Air Force ROTC and start from there. Uh, uh, If you're kind of out of school, maybe you can apply to the Air Force Academy. Uh, Those are sort of paths you're kind of like giving us guidance right now.
2: Yes, so those are two different paths you can take if you're interested in becoming a commissioned officer. If you're not necessarily interested in going to or completing college right away, you can go to Enlist. So there's recruiting stations in most major towns, and they can give you more information on that as well.
3: That's wonderful. Thank you so much for this valuable pieces of information you've given us this afternoon. Um, At this point, I'm going to throw it back to my co host Leon and Kennedy. Thank you again.
1: Thanks, Lingo. And so now we're back and now as we get towards the end of our conversation, Bonnie, I really want to have some fun. Because I've done my research and I know that you and your husband are avid ballroom dancers. So I I want to learn a little bit more about this. How did you get into ballroom dancing? And are we going to see you on Dancing with the Stars very soon?
2: All right. So Like I said earlier, I have been known to be a workaholic. As a very young airman, early in my enlisted career, I received advice get a hobby. You need a life. So I got a hobby. Uh, I started ballroom dancing as a student. I got competitive in that as well. I would say I'm maybe a competitive person by nature. I couldn't leave it alone. So I started competing at the amateur level, doing shows at the amateur level. And then I started to. Teach. I wanted to teach. So I got approval to start teaching ballroom when I was stationed in DC. And I said, not only do I want to teach, I want to compete at the professional level. And so they found me a partner that was a good height, looked good dancing with me. Long story short, he is now my husband. We have two kids. I always tell people if you tango too closely, you might end up with some kids. So I Will say we did do DC's Dancing Stars a, a couple years. We raised lots of money for charity that way. I danced with somebody from the show Naked and Afraid one year. Another year, I danced with a CEO uh, of an ABC corporation, so multi-million dollar corporation. There now, some of the pros from Dancing with the Stars have coached me, so I've worked with them. But you may not see me on the show itself.
1: So Bonnie, this is not just a hobby. You are good.
2: Well, you know, I, I'm a workaholic at everything I do. So I I kinda make it a, a thing. Oh,
1: that's awesome. <laughs>
2: that's me and my husband right there.
1: That's so cool. And that's a, a wonderful uh uh how I met my husband story. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Bonnie, that that I'm Thank you for sharing that with us first of all that that's really cool so now i'm gonna have to look and see if i can uh google google and get some uh some video footage of of, of your skills <laughs> and so Bonnie, i really want to thank you for, for for talking with us today i know we're coming to the end of our conversation but before we go if anybody was interested in what you talk about or wants to learn more is there a way that they can contact you or reach out
2: Yes. So you can find me at the Air Force Academy's website. Just look under staff and faculty, and you'll find me there, Master Sergeant Bonnie Rushing. Um, I've, got, I've got email from the Academy. You can hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm on there as well. And I'm, I'm more than willing to talk to people about anything that we discussed today.
1: Awesome, and Bonnie, uh, we'll we'll get that information and make sure that that's at the bottom of the video if you're watching on YouTube or in any of our descriptions. So if anybody has any questions, just feel free to to reach out. Don't don't bombard uh, Master Sergeant Rushing. <laughs> and so, you know, as we bring this to a close, Bonnie, I really just wanted to give you uh, a final moment to just leave some words with our audience. You know, uh, what do you want them to take away from this conversation? Um,
2: I think. Even in the military, I always encourage people to be themselves. We're not robots. We are creative and amazing beings who can shape the future of not only the United States, but the world. So follow your own path, be yourself, and always reach out for help if you need it.
1: Thank you, Master Sergeant Bonnie Rushing. And as always, thank you, Lingo. Uh, This has been High Tech Sunday. I'm Ray Kennedy, and uh, we'll see you next time. Over to you, Brandon.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of High Tech Sunday. Career Communication Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development and technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The community runs from national thought leaders to aspiring students. And this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. The podcast can be accessed through the of Facebook page Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us next time.
4: To get your nominations in for the Bay of STEM Awards, the honorees will be recognized at the Bay of STEM Conference, held annually with the community over 10,000 strong that focuses on celebrating excellence by showcasing career opportunities and professionals in the STEM fields. The 36th annual conference will be held on February 17th through the 19th, 2022. Please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process to make sure nominations packets have everything it needs for the upcoming Bay Conference. All peer-reviewed nominations are due on August 31st, 2021. All Outstanding Achievement Awards are due on October 1st, 2021. Again, please visit our website at www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process.